Welcome to the Jasmine Star Show. I have to start here by saying I thought I had a good idea and the guest we're about to chat with today just made the idea a thousand times better. You are going to get a behind the scenes look of what is coming. So I wanna start this conversation by outright stating a big change that's going on in my life and in my business. I'm changing the way that I am approaching paid speaking events. So I am changing the content my delivery. I am working on signing with a speaking agent and I've been sharing tidbits of this, but finally, I kind of feel like I'm having a a debutante's ball. I'm having a coming out party. So before we understand like what's changed, let me talk about how things worked through 2022. Well, people would come to me and they would submit a form. They would reach out and they would say, Hey, we want you to talk about this based on what they had seen online. So people were asking me to teach about what they had seen on all my social profiles. But only now did I realize that that was reactive. So I was reacting to an invitation. So I was talking about a lot of different topics and basically I was a Jill of all trades, but was I really excited about every topic that I was being invited to speak about? And the answer is, uh, not really, because I wanted to know and speak about from a brand perspective, what was I known for? What was the, oh, you're talking about X. She's the best at X or she knows the most about X. She's very compelling about X. So how it worked in the past was I was reactive and now moving forward as a speaker, teacher, educator, I'm going to be proactive. Now, the way that you can figure out how you can be, you're listening right now and you want to know how can I be proactive when it's not just speaking on stages, but when I'm uh, putting forth my brand online or if I want to write a book or if I want to be a speaker, if I want to be a coach, If I want to get more clients, how can I be more proactive? Well, I suggest, and I've learned this from the very guests we're talking to today, is to start with the end in mind and then work backwards. It's about creating a strategy, not a response to a request. A strategy, not a response. So how do I want it to work now? Well, I met Rory at an event like five years ago. Now, here's the thing. Rory Vaden has been a guest on this podcast, and his podcast remains one of the highest uh, downloaded listened to podcasts. So you're probably familiar with this man's brilliant mind and his very kind voice and how he's an adoring father, an amazing husband, and business partner. So I met him before I even realized how he functioned in the world. And so when I was learning from him, I was fascinated. I was enthralled by the way that his brain worked in frameworks. Now, frameworks allow anybody who's listening, watching, paying attention to understand a complex idea and then break it down and apply it. So I have watched him do this with many other people. And so when I made the decision to be proactive and not reactive, I said, it's time for me to invest in my brand with somebody who has done this before. Somebody who I look at, admire, love the frameworks, and I love the way that they present to help me go out and do that. So I decided I'm going to invest. I'm going to become a client of Rory Vaden. And then I asked Rory, hey, Rory, Can I give people a behind the scenes sneak peek at how we're going to prepare because I am flying to Nashville to meet with Rory for two full days. I said, I'd love to have a podcast where you're going to walk me through how to prepare me for the event. Okay. That was my pitch. I thought it was was a pretty good idea. Rory comes on nothing but five minutes ago and says, love the idea. But what I want to do is I want to start the session. I don't want to tell people how you're going to prepare. Let's start it so people can do the same right now. Hot dang, y'all. I got chills down my right arm. That is always a good <laughs> sign. Welcome to the show. Rory Vaden, we are here for you. Wah, 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 wah. That's Bam. my laser horn. Okay. I love it. Okay. I love it. This is so brilliant. I mean, I you know, I've worked with so many great people. Nobody's ever asked me to say, hey, could we do an actual coaching session live on a podcast, which, so I've never done this. I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but I think it's going to be so great. And uh, kudos to you, because in order for it to work, like you're going to have to get kind of vulnerable and uh, and transparent. So you're going to do that. It's just between me and you and a few million people listening. All right, Jasmine? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know. Here's the thing for people who are listening to podcasts. I had no idea. I literally was, we're going to talk about how to prep. And then I thought I could be vulnerable in his offices in Nashville. But what he's asking me to do is what I ask so many people to do is to be vulnerable and let yourself be seen. And my word of the year in 2023 has been rebirth. I need to do things differently than I had before. And Rory called me out five minutes ago. And the first thing that I thought of was rebirth. 
You must show people the process of what the rebirth is so that on the backside, people don't look like, oh, she's lucky. Oh, it happened. No, no, no. We're going to sit in the suck and the awkwardness of doing this and being vulnerable. And so I'm going to ask for people to hold space for myself as you're listening, because what you're intentionally and unintentionally doing is holding space for yourself when you apply the work as well. So Rory, enough of me talking. We'll, we'll dive right in. Yeah. Okay. So let's start, right? So first of all, um, we are a personal brand strategy firm, right? I would say that I've spent my life studying the psychology of influence. So how to move people to action. Our firm, Brand Builders Group, does personal brand strategy. So we coach people like you know, Lewis Howes, uh, Amy Porterfield recently, we've been working with Amy, Ed Milet, Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher, Peter Diamandis, um, so forth and so on about how to become more well-known, how to make bigger reach, how to make a bigger impact, and then also how to grow their revenue and their reputation and how to grow their income and their influence and how to be well-known and wealthy. And the issue that pers- every personal brand has and that every single entrepreneur has is noise, right? There's so many people who do something similar to what you do. And for you, Jasmine, if we talk about the speaking world, uh, right, which is also something I know some quite a lot about. I, I was in the world championship of public speaking when I was 23. Hold on. We need to tell people that that is actually a thing. World champion of public speaking. That is a thing. And your boy was like dominating. Okay. Okay. Well, I was, I made it twice to the top 10 in the world. And the second time I went, I came in second. So I was the world champion, first runner up when I was 23. And then I had a TED talk go viral called how to multiply time, which is what last time when you had me on the show, we talked about that was my second book was uh, called procrastinating on purpose, five permissions to multiply time. And that was based on the TED talk. So that was our other conversation. And then I was inducted into the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame when I was 37. And then shortly thereafter was when we first started working with Lewis. And we've been working with Lewis for the last um, four years. Um, so then- but hold on, Rory. Hold on a second. For people who are listening, I'm like, well, I don't want to become a public speaker and I don't want to become an author. The reason why I want to have this conversation is because what I'm trying to do is redefine my brand. And this applies to anybody who wants to have impact, influence, and or build a career. And you and I both believe we do this by brand, but if we are not in control of our brand, the brand is told to us. And so I want this to be applied to people who are listening, regardless of whatever their ambitions are, is that this exercise of what we're gonna do today is going to help their business, period. Are we on the same page? Like, okay, well, I just 100%. You can't, and this is part of the problem, right? Is people try to go, oh, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a podcaster. I want to write a book before they figure out their identity, before they figure out who they really are. And so, or they launch a business, right? And they kind of just like, oh, I have this idea and they're not clear. And I'll tell you right up front, here's the single greatest piece of personal branding advice that I've ever received. And it's from a gentleman named Larry Wingett. So this is not a Rory Vaden quote. I wish it was, but this one is not. And here's what Larry said, is he said, Rory, the goal is to find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. Find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, that's so brilliant. And that's part of how I built the speaking career was like figuring out what could I do that nobody else could do. And that's when coming back to the noise and this competition of in order to break through the noise of all the other speakers, you have to be different. You have to be distinctive. You have to be unique. Um, here's another favorite quote of mine. Another good friend of ours, Sally Hogg said, she says, different is better than better. Different is better than better. And so we have to find your uniqueness. We And becoming a great speaker is more than just being great on stage, although that is part of what we do. We teach people the psychology of laughter and storytelling and how to come up with frameworks and quotable moments and pillar points and how to sell gracefully and invisibly from stage and all these other things. But long before that, which applies to 100% of us, is what is your uniqueness? And so what the process is, Before we can help you write a speech, we have to help you find your uniqueness. Before we can help you launch a podcast or create a video course or launch a coaching program or whatever, the way that we approach things is we have to find your uniqueness. And even though Larry said that's what you should do, he never developed a process for how to do it. And that's what we have developed. And that's what I want to take you through now because that's the genesis for for you as a speaker, but for everybody listening 
we have to figure this out before we can do anything else. Okay. So, um, by and large, this podcast has been pretty transformative in giving me access to people and things. And, uh, years ago when I started my career, I had made a promise to God that if I got to where I wanted, that I would always share as much as the journey as a give back as a true Testament. So this podcast is just a way to give back. So we're doing this via audio for the podcast. We're also doing it via video. And so I want to clarify for people who are watching the video, my head and my eyes are down, but I'm taking notes. Like, I'm not gonna forsake this opportunity. This is an actual workshop for me that I'm sharing. So you'll see me with like RBF, like a face that's just, it was my God-given face, but it, <laughs> I look mad. I look mad. This is called my concentrating face. So if you're watching the video and I look mad, I really adore Rory and AJ. It's just, I have a stank face when I think. So there's that. And I do too. Not, that's me. I, just, I know, do that. Everyone, just, RBF, I get it, it all is. the time. It is, it is. But if you see me looking down, it's not a lack of respect. I'm actually doing the dang work. So Rory, I'm ready to go when you are. So, yeah, so let me show you. I actually have a digital drawing pad pulled up. So if you do go watch on Jasmine's YouTube channel, you can see some of this. I'll describe it as well. Um, So what I want to start out with is coming about to what is the problem? What's the issue, first of all, that we have to, why do we have to find this sort of uniqueness and help you kind of understand? And there's a framework for this that we call Sheehan's Wall. And we named this after a gentleman named Peter Sheehan, who is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And uh, I learned the origin of this concept for him, which we've kind of adapted specifically to personal branding. So he didn't name it after himself. We named it after him because we thought it was so magnificent. And so I'm going to show you. And so here's how you have to think about it. So basically, in any given industry or market, there are two groups of people. Okay. So most of us live in obscurity. We're starting something new, right? You're saying, oh, I want to be a speaker. And so you go, well, I'm not yet known that much for that, or I'm not known in the way I want to be known specifically, right? I'm, as you were saying, I've been reactive more than proactive. And then there is the wall that we have to break through, which is Sheehan's wall. And on the other side of the wall is notoriety. Notoriety is where we're trying to get, right? These are the people who are well-known. They have strong reputation. This is where Oprah is and Brene Brown and Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk, et cetera, et cetera. And what most of us do is when we're in obscurity and we go, I want to go break through to notoriety, we look at what all the people in notoriety are doing and we want to emulate them. And we go, okay, so we have... You know, they talk about all of these different messages, right? And you go, oh, well, Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, he talks about sports and he talks about music. He talks about Web3 and social media and wine and da 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 da. And and I am multifaceted. So I want to talk about marketing and I want to talk about sales and I want to talk about, you know, leadership and communication. And that's what speakers do is they go, I think I could talk about change management and I could talk about uh, branding and I could talk about, you know, customer service. I could talk about all these things. And so they have all these messages. Then the other thing that personal brands do, so they have a lot of messages, a lot of topics, and then they go, ooh, I want to serve all of these different audiences because like I really love moms and I have like this heart for stay-at-home moms. But entrepreneurs, man, like those are my people. But you know what? I'm a church girl at heart. And so, you know, I love Jesus and I want to talk to some people about faith or I really love marketers or, you know, salespeople or so lots of audiences. And then they have lots of products is the next thing is they go, oh my gosh, I could do calendars. I could do day planners. I could do t-shirts. I could do posters. We could do a SaaS company. We could do a course. So we've got lots of products and then lots of business models. So business models would be like, oh, you know what? What I really need to do is coaching. Everyone makes money in coaching. Well, actually I could do live retreats that people could come to, but I could also do like a high-end mastermind But I really want to like do the Amy Porterfield thing where I have like courses and people just sort of buy passively. Um, But, you know, membership sites are really where it's at if you want the recurring revenue. Um, But no, I think I think I want to be a consultant because I want to work with the companies. Right. And on and on and on. And so the bottom line is if you bounce off the wall when you do that, because if you have diluted focus you get diluted results. If you have diluted focus, you get diluted results. And that is what happens to most speakers, to most personal brands, is they're bouncing off the wall. Now, the way that you break through the wall is that 
precision is power. So what we do is we want to do what Larry Wingett said, find your uniqueness, find the one thing that you can do better than anyone else in the world. Um, Figure out what is the thing that nobody else can do quite like you, and let's do that thing. And what happens is you break through the wall on that one thing. And then once you get on the other side of that wall, you can expand into a whole bunch of other things, right? Tony Robbins can do a book on health and money and relationship mastery and, you know, date with destiny and spiritual stuff and, you know, unleash the power within because he's Tony Robbins, right? He already broke through the wall. He can do whatever he wants, but that's not how you get there. Um, And if you look at Brene Brown, it's a great example of a recent example. Brene Brown became one of the most influential people in the world by studying one problem, which can be identified in one word. What is the- the, Vulnerability, baby. Vulnerability. So we would say that vulnerability is her uniqueness Mm -hmm. and shame is actually the problem that she studies. And, And you cannot talk about shame without talking about Brene Brown. You cannot talk about vulnerability without talking about Brene Brown. She owns shame and she owns vulnerability. And that is how she broke through the wall. Um, Another friend of ours here down the street uh, is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, uh, you and I shared the stage actually at a Dave Ramsey event, um, like uh, um, maybe like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So Dave Ramsey has built a company that is, more than a hundred million dollars in annual revenue. He has shared that publicly. More than a hundred million dollars in annual revenue, has more than a thousand employees, has 17 million people who listen to him every week on the radio. And he has done it by talking about the same one word problem for 30 years, three hours a day on the radio. He says the same things over and over ridding the world of one word problem, which is debt. Dave Ramsey owns debt. And so the genesis of finding your uniqueness is figuring out the answer to this question. What problem do I solve in one word? What problem do I solve in one word? So I want you just to think about this, Jasmine, and obviously those of you listening, but I'm talking to you, Jasmine. So I want just to think about that for a second. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Uh, We're going to create like a problem cloud and we're going to put up a list of options. We're going to brainstorm options. We call this your problem cloud. But as a point of clarifying this, and uh, since I'm not going to get to spend two days here on your podcast, I don't think, um, I want to give everybody the shortcut and I'll go ahead and give you the shortcut as well. Um, So before I give you the shortcut, let me pause there for a second. Any questions are you tracking so far? I'm tracking so far. And so what I want to do is for people who are listening to the podcast, I want you to imagine the word obscurity. And then underneath the word obscurity, you're going to tab over a little indent. And what's going to be below that is messages, lots of messages. Below that, audiences, lots of audiences. Below that, products, lots of products. Below that, business models. And so all of those things are pointing to a line that is bisecting your page. It is a vertical line and it's pointing to that, but it's going to bounce off that wall. And then on the other side, on the right side of the page, adjacent to the word obscurity, you're going to see the word notoriety. And you only get to live in the land of notoriety once you have the center point of that wall, right in the middle of that line that bisects the page, the word is precision. And how you get precision is by owning a word. And Brene owns shame. Dave Ramsey owns debt. And now I need to figure out the word I own. That's right. That's what we're going to start with. So there's a couple okay. words you're going to own, but that is the genesis of a personal brand is figuring out what problem do you solve in one word? If most personal brands can't answer that question, when you can't answer that question, what happens is you're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall in a lot of places. The other thing I didn't even mention is a lot of platforms, right? You're on Pinterest and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube and diluted, focused, diluted results. So what we need to do is we need to to focus the messaging and focus the positioning um, to be all centered around your uniqueness. Now, here's the shortcut. 
what we have realized, what we didn't know four years ago when we started Brand Builders Group that we know now is that because now we've been training strategists. So we have about 600 active clients. We exclusively do one-on-one like human-based coaching. That is like our core businesses, human to human. And then we do, we have our events and stuff, but it's you even at the events, it's like they sit at a table with one strategist to five people. It's not like a classroom setting. They're really, really small. And so when we train strategists, we started to notice a pattern as more people came through this. And here's, if there is a shortcut to finding your uniqueness, what we have learned and what we realized is that you are always most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. You're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. The fastest way to break through the wall is to be able to identify who is the person that you can serve in the deepest ways. That's part of why Brand Builders Group is growing so fast, right? Like we're going to be another eight-figure company here, you know, the end of this year. We haven't even been in business for five years. It's because we know if somebody is an author or a speaker or a coach um, or an entrepreneur, that if they're just trying to become more well-known, like We can serve that person in an extremely deep way, especially authors and speakers and coaches. And that's what we had done before this was we built an eight-figure coaching company. So the question for you is when you can go, what problem do I solve? But a lot of times what will help you get clarity is to first figure out who, like, you know, Simon Sinek says, start with why. And I love Simon Sinek and I love that book. He's one of my favorite writers. But what we have started to learn, what we have started to realize is that for almost all of us, our why is a who. Our why is a person. The reason we push so hard is because there's someone we care about. There's someone we want to make proud. There's somebody that we want to save, someone we want to help, and there's somebody we want to serve. And if you are what we refer to as a mission-driven messenger, which is our audience, our mission-driven messengers. You have a calling to serve, not just make money. Okay, we like making money. We're good at making money. We want to make money. But money is subservient to the mission. And I know that's you, Jasmine, because I know you before today. But that calling is part of what we need to access. It's more than just how do we make money? How do we grow our audience? We have to get inside you and figure out what fires you up and what pisses you off. What makes you mad? What makes you sad? What breaks your heart? Who is the person that you want to dedicate your life to reaching? And we know that it's your most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. So if we can get clear on the who, we also get clear on the why and everything else in the entire brand orients off of that who. So let's start and dive in to go, Are you clear on who you want to reach, which can also be a psychographic. It doesn't have to be a demographic like, oh, it's all women who are 31 years old. It can be a psychographic like mission driven messengers is our audience. That's a that's a psychographic. It's a it's it's a you know, it's like a one sentence description of the kind of person we're trying to reach. So. Right. How long did it take for y'all to come up with the mission driven messenger like to come up with that? that, Like who our audience is? Yeah, but to distill it in such a way, like I hear it and then I completely understand who you serve. How long did it take for you and AJ to kind of like play with the terminology, the vernacular, that, that that light bulb? Like, oh, I got it. It takes a while. I mean, it took us 10 years to land on my brand positioning statement, which we'll talk about your brand positioning statement because that the outcome, so the, the entire Brand Builders Group experience is actually 14 different two-day experiences. So- The first one is to find your uniqueness and the output is what we call a brand positioning statement. And one of the elements of a brand positioning statement, well, we've talked about two of them, your avatar persona and what problem you solve in one word. Those are two of the elements that have to be on there. So to get all of those things, it took me 10 years. It doesn't take us 10 years to get people there, but you know, we say it's a two-day experience, but a lot of times it takes like a couple months. We can get you like 85% of the way there. I mean, we're going to see how far we get you on this call and then we'll see where we're at. Okay. But just for the people who are listening, they're like, uh, how long is this call going to be? So I had an hour set for Rory for us to walk through this. And so what I'm planning on doing is getting through this hour as much as possible. And then 
Uh, Rory and I are going to be meeting in Nashville in goodness, like two weeks. We'll be there together for the two days. Then I'm going to come back and I am going to share a podcast around what I learned and then perhaps invite if I don't know if I can get Rory to come back on the podcast to really distill, but we'll, we'll be able to talk about that after. But my commitment is to show the process. And I'm also what comes up for me is that like, oh, I can't come up with like my message. And then I, I reframed it. I am learning. And if it took somebody before me 10 years, and now I'm learning from that person, it could take me 10 days, it could take me 10 months, but it will take me less. And so um, I just want to say thank you for that. And then let the listeners know that you and I have an hour that we'll be sharing. And so what can we do? It's been about 30 minutes now. What can we do in another 30 minutes to really hone in on the shortcut and figuring out the who so that the why is there as well? Yeah. And let's start with the problem cloud. Well, it could be either that we can start with the problem cloud. What are, if you said, what problem do you want to solve for the world, Jasmine? What problem do people have that you feel like, and here's some characteristics of the problem. First of all, it has to be a problem. It has to actually be one word. It has to be a noun. It has to be something that kind of has like a negative connotation or negative energy around it. The problem also is something that your audience knowingly struggles with. So for example, Brand Builders Group, our one word problem is obscurity. We help people who are struggling with obscurity. They are either unclear, untrusted, or unknown. And we help them to find notoriety, to become more well-known. That's what we do. We help mission-driven messengers to become more well-known. So when you think about who do you want to serve as a speaker, and maybe even with the whole future of your personal brand, you got to ask yourself, who do you serve? What do you know about the person you serve? And what are the problems they have that you know you could help them with? Because they're likely problems that you have overcome in your own life. Okay. I'm just going to speak my truth. Well, actually, before I speak my truth, a clarifying question, because this is a thing that I've been struggling with is like prior to this call, I have been doing this work. So you and I both know I love brand building and you and I both know that I have done it at multiple stages of my career and I'm at an inflection point and I've realized, Rory, that what got me here won't get me to where I want to go. And so I'm turning to you with a little bit of street credibility on the back end and talking about how vulnerable it makes me talk about this publicly in real time. Do you think it's advantageous to build a brand based on what people have expressed they you've come to know them for, they, they, they have come to know you for? Or do you think if I think back at like the former self of who I need to serve, the things I needed to hear then that, you know, there is like a, like a Venn diagram of a crossover. And so that's what I've been distilling down. Um, and so if I'm looking at the crossover of the Venn diagram, what people might already attribute to myself, but also the things that I needed to hear as my former self, the words that come in would be resilience. Like people say that like, I help them get back up. But the reason why it just comes from me is because that's only been my story is that that comeback. Um, the problem that I think I help people, and I think it feels like a jacket that's too tight. But what I hear often is people say that I help them with discipline and consistency because that's what's just what they see. And then I'm pretty open about the journey of like, I don't want to do a lot of the stuff I'm doing, but I will do it because there is a bigger vision and I could sit in the suck of doing it now. And then people see it and they hear my admission and they're just like, well, she talks the talk and she walks the walk. But another thing that's like the third undercurrent, these are like the three kind of bubbles that I've been sitting with for a while is this idea of being powerful or empowered. Now there's this debate of being empowered is that, yo, am I bestowing it on somebody? And that puts me in like this uh, authoritative figure versus powerful, which sounds like it could be self-derivative. And so when I look back at who I was, I think I felt powerless because I didn't know. And that was just a frame of mind. What I know now is being powerless is a decision and it's a frame of mind. Being resilient is what I wish I knew. Like what I told myself is a bunch of stories that it should look a certain way. And because it didn't, I was doing it wrong. I was behind. Other people had it easy. And I'm like, baby, the people who are at the top are simply the those who have the resilience factor shortened and shortened and shortened after they've been punched in the face a billion times. So those are the things that come to me. And I think those are the things that people see. And I feel like if I'm going to stand on a stage, you like, what could you talk about for 15 minutes nonstop? I could talk about social media. I don't want to. I could talk about personal branding. I love it. It is who I am. I don't feel called to teach it. What comes from me, what oozes and drips is resilience, being empowered, consistency or discipline in some capacity. 
So I love this. So to answer your question directly, should I pay attention to what other people know me for or say they know me for? Yes, but not much. Mm. You also shouldn't pay that much attention to what other people are doing. Oh, someone already did that. Someone already do that. What you have to pay attention to is what you feel called to do. Mm. We believe that the calling that you feel on your heart to do something or to talk about something is the result of a signal that is being mm-hmm. sent out from somebody else who needs you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that person actually needs you mm-hmm. way more than you need them. Amen. And that's what we want you to listen to because that's what moves people emotionally. And it takes emotion to break through the wall. It takes logic. Oh man, it takes logic. It takes systems like hell. It takes desire. It takes consistency, but it takes passion and emotion. Mm -hmm. It takes, you know, Mother Teresa dedicated her life to ridding the world of poverty. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his life to rid the world of inequality. What is the problem you would give your life to help people get past? That is where the uniqueness lies. And when you say resilience, so this is another brand builders group. Here's part of our official science. We call this the Goosey's test. Um, you ever watch World of Dance? You ever seen that show World of Dance? I have. There's J-Lo's show. It's not, it used to be like a dance competition. Yes. Best show ever. Um, they canceled it. I don't know why. <laughs> Probably because it wasn't the best show ever. It was I'm the so best show passionate. ever. I'm so happy you're passionate about it. Come on. So, you know, they come out here every once in a while. J-Lo would look at an act and she would be like, oh, I got gooseies. Mm-hmm. Like this unexplainable magic, this thing that is, it's like you accessed the divine. Mm-hmm. When you said resilience, Jasmine, I got goosies. Mm -hmm. And here's how we know is we go, is that the path you have walked? So when we find your uniqueness, we want to look at what have you studied? What have you researched? What have you, what do you read? Like, what would you spend a Saturday afternoon, like reading, you know, talking about, writing about what is more important is not your academic credentials. It's what have you freaking done? What challenge have you conquered? What obstacle have you overcome? What setback have you survived? What tragedy have you triumphed over? What is the story of Jasmine Starr's life where you go, I can't talk about everything, but I can stand on this stage and I can tell you all about blank because I have freaking lived it. And when you said resilience to me, that I felt a lot of that. And that's the word that is number one on the list. And it's this weird thing that I'm like, whoa, that word scares me the most. And what I've learned in the past is like, what scares you is the thing that's calling you. But it scares me because I'm like, there are other people who are much smarter, more educated, have a lot more street credibility. And I'm like, you want to step into that? And then all of a sudden I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want to step into. And I think it's just saying that right now is kind of like, you know, the verbal affirmation that maybe the mind needs to hear. Do you know why that happens? Do you know why it's the thing that scares you the most? There's two reasons, okay? One is that this is baked into the neuroscience of your brain. Your brain is not programmed for success. Our brains are programmed for survival. Mm-hmm. The brain is designed to keep you alive. That is the first and, and foremost function of the brain. Survival is about conserving energy. Success is the opposite. Success is about expending energy. It's about doing what is uncomfortable, what is unfamiliar, what is new, what is scary, the exact opposite of what is safe. And so that is one reason, scientifically speaking, why our fear is a good sign that, you know, there's a healthy fear that we might be on the right track. The other reason why I think is because I think when you start to access your uniqueness, when you start to draw into proximity of your uniqueness, I think it sends an alert to the devil that somebody is about to access their spiritual calling, that somebody is about to unload a bomb on this world that is of goodness and wonderfulness and beauty and help. And so remember, the devil's only tool, the only tool the devil has is lies. That's the only tool, but he's really good at it. And so what he immediately shows up with is someone already did that. You can't do that. You're not good enough to do that. 
Anytime I hear those thoughts, I go, oh my gosh, the devil is running scared and he's coming at me. That means I'm on to it. So when you say that, you hear that, I go, because here's the thing, Jasmine, you are a bad mama jamma. You are one powerful, bad mf'er. <laughs> like you, I mean, you are dominating. And so if something scares you, I go, yup, we're, we're on the right track. So let's play with resilience for a second. Okay. Let's hold that tentatively. So now we're stepping into the brand positioning statement. So resilience is not a problem. So resilience is not the answer to the problem you saw. This is the Brene Brown thing that you had said was that when the word that I said, what she owns, I said vulnerability. And you said the word as a point of clarification was shame. That's right. So, so for Brene Brown, vulnerability is her uniqueness. Now, Brene, I should clarify, is not a client of ours, right? But, (laughs) but you can see these examples, right? Like we triangulate our framework based on what has worked for us, also our clients, and then also third parties out there in the world. So vulnerability is her uniqueness. The problem she solved is shame. Resilience Mm. is a candidate for your uniqueness. So uniqueness Mm. is a one word distillation of the solution to the problem of what you want to spend your life teaching, right? She doesn't teach people shame. She teaches people vulnerability as a way to overcome shame. So Mm. if we have the goosies and all these other things around resilience, resilience is not a candidate for a problem. It doesn't meet the criteria. But resilience Mm. is a potential candidate for your uniqueness, which is the one thing that you do as good as anyone else in the world, or it's the one thing you study. It's it's a life well-lived where you said, man, if the only thing people ever learned from me is this one thing, I would be like, hell yeah, that was a life well-lived. Do you you get that from resilience? I feel like a little lump in my throat. You could end your days and go, if if someone said... What Jasmine taught me how to do was be resilient. Mm-hmm. Like you would, if if like I would go to bed every night really happy if somebody said that she taught me how to keep going, get up and keep going. I would be like, I lived a good life. I lived a great life if that happened. Ooh, I don't want to sound like J Lo, but I feel like I got the gooseies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is that is it. And what we're accessing right here in this moment, Jasmine, is what it takes to break through the wall. Because there's so much rejection and so much pain and so many broken launches and failed technology and crappy vendors and employees who quit on you and hard days and personal stuff that goes on. The only thing that we have to access this point of uniqueness so that you have enough fuel to move through all of that. So I think we're in a good spot there. Okay, so let's let's hold that tentatively, just like okay. some space. Okay. So now let's go back to the problem. So there's an inverse relationship between the uniqueness and the problem. There are two sides of the same coin. Uniqueness is the one word solution to the problem, but problem so that is the inverse, right? Vulnerability and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey's is debt and cash. Um, ours is obscurity and reputation. I built my career on procrastination was the problem I solved and discipline was my uniqueness. And that's what both my first two books were about. And last time I was on the show, we were like talking about some of my mm-hmm. some of my legacy content, so to speak. So then if someone isn't being resilient, what are they being? So resilience is the answer, but to what question? Mm-hmm. So if resilience is the solution to what problem? If I'm not being resilient, what am I being? Tell me. And just brainstorm. Okay, good. I'm just going to brainstorm. I'm giving myself the permission to say all the wrong things. And here's the thing, Rory. JD is going to be with me at the session. And like, JD is quite honestly, like he's the Oz, like your brain and his brain are like two peas in a pod. And my brain is like, you know, I'm, I'm the donkey watering a different field. Like my brain doesn't work in this. Right. So it's like, I'm very solution driven. Like what I want to do right now is I feel very open because I feel very vulnerable again, because JD does all the strategy with me. And so right here, he would drill in Rory and he would tell you what the problem is. I want see, this is how we do. And I'm doing this alone right now. And so I'm going to say it wrong. So I'm giving myself to say it wrong. Like, yeah. Give me a cloud. Just give me a bunch of words that show up. But people are quitters. They're quitting. Um, that 
like the problem it's like I'm hard having a hard time putting it in like a like a a problem framework is what are uh, you what are you doing if you're not being resilient? You're being led by fear. Okay. You're being uh you're not living to your fullest potential. Um Okay, so in college, I took this accounting class and I raised my hand. I was in somewhere in the middle of the class and I asked the professor, I'm like, can you not just give me the answer? Give me the answer and I'll work backward from it. I'll prove that that is the answer. Give me the answer. And he said, no, it isn't the process of you discovering the answer that you learn the most. And so what I want to do is like, Rory, just tell me, give me a list of, give me a list of problems, add to my bubble and I'll pick the best one. And I have a feeling that you're just not going to like, let me do that, but I'll still ask for it because you don't get what you don't ask for. No, we're not going to do that, but it's, <laughs> but I will say there was a word you said earlier, which was powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be on your problem cloud, right? And so we make a cloud. And here's the thing. The logic in all of us, the chronic overachieverness in us wants to go, I want to check the box and move on. I want to check the box and move on. And this is messy because this is this is art. This specific, you know, I mentioned there's 14 different mm-hmm. stages in our journey. This one is the most artistic of all of them. It, it's the least easiest to just check the box and fill in the blank. But you did, you know, powerlessness was a word that that would be on there. But, um, you know, I would say, um, you know, like underperforming, like underperformance, it's got to be a noun, it's got to be a thing, right, is a thing. Now, now let's look at this another way. Okay, so here's another way to do this. What problem have you overcome, Jasmine? Who were you being before you were resilient? Mm. A victim. Mm. Can you tell me about that? So um, in some of the recent keynotes I've been giving, I've been testing a lot of content. And um, one thing that I noticed kind of like popped eyeballs was the phrase, I let life happen to me instead of me happening to it. And like that, I kind of see like little like ricochets of like lightning bolts. And I'm like, okay, there's something here that there's, it's resonating in a way. And I haven't put it into a word, but I saw that. And then another time I saw massive ricochets of light bulbs and it was a slide that I had up for maybe eight seconds. And I said, for those of you who don't know, I've had many iterations in my career and I just went through and I itemized 2006, 2010, 2012, 2015, 2017. And people see this and I left it up and I was just like, I'm not going to talk about all these other things. I'm going to talk about this. And then we went into Q&A, a 30 minute Q&A, about 27 minutes of the Q&A were dealing with the pivots. What did you do? How did you show up? What did you know how to do? And I thought to myself, oh, something's here on that slide. And so I use that slide back in January of 2023. And then I've done four other keynotes and I bring that slide up. And again, people are asking, how did you do that? And I was like, huh, people are interested in the pivot and in the ability to quickly iterate and then to find microcosms of success along the way. I was like, how do I, how do I break this down? What do I show? But in every single one of those, it was the resilience that empowered me because you got to a point of either perceived success or perceived failure, and then you had to do it again. It was the getting back up and moving forward because it's belief that something was bigger on the other side. I don't know how to distill that all down, but I know that I'm tapping around on something. Yeah, that's it. I, and it, uh, I mean, I didn't hear, I didn't feel much when you were talking about like not living up to your potential quitting. But when I asked you, what were you being? And you said a victim. I got gooseies because you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. It's also, you can literally talk to that person, right? Like when we talk about actually working on your presentation, which we'll get to at some point, you know, like this is the foundation, right? But when we get into the mechanics of telling stories, one of the things we talk about is you don't retell a story. Most speakers tell stories. What the great speakers, the legendary speakers do is they don't retell a story. They relive a story. And so when you're reliving a story, you have to go back into that moment the way almost that an, the way that an actor accesses these authentic emotions based on like you know in that case it's like a screenplay but when you're a speaker you have to go back to that moment in time and access that emotion so when you talk about it you're going to take us back and you're going to tell me 
which is going to be painful, is you're going to tell me about the time that you were a victim. So that speaks to me. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that you bring this up, particularly because um, in previous lives, when I was in different careers in different industries, I realized that I was telling stories, but I actually said I was telling a story, but what made it really compelling, and I didn't know it till right now, was that I was reliving it. So when I was talking to photographers and how I went to my very first conference and like everybody was super artistic, I imagined everybody to walk around with like red berets and a thin hand-rolled cigarette with a scarf around their neck, and they'd be talking in short, quip, seconds, and blink, looking to the left and to the right and wondering, hey, where's my camera in this very moment? That right there, I was reliving it. I wasn't retelling it. And now I'm like, that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do now on these stages. And I need to harness, I need to, I need to find those stories and go back and relive them and not um, just retell them. I think that victimhood or victim mindset could be a candidate here for you as a, as a candidate for either the problem or the cause. So there's another thing, and I don't know, and we're like winding down on time. So the next layer of the brand positioning statement is introducing something that we call the cause. The problem is something that somebody knows they struggle with. They know what they're struggling with, but they don't know why they're struggling with it, Mm. right? So in Brand Builders Group, the problem we solve is obscurity. Our clients know they're not well-known, right? They know they're struggling to become well-known, but they don't know why. Our cause is actually distraction. The reason why they're struggling is because they have diluted focus because diluted focus gets diluted results. They think they're not smart enough or they don't have enough money or someone else is like better than whatever has nothing to do with any of that crap. It's that they're doing too many things and they're not centered on their uniqueness. So we know that if we treat the cause, the problem goes away. If I can help, you know, someone focus and Lewis just, you know, Lewis shared this story publicly in Entrepreneur Magazine this week that when we first started working together, he had like 17 revenue streams. Right. And the first thing we did was we said, dude, you need to cut those down. And at the time, the podcast was a traffic source for him. But we took him through this exercise called the revenue streams assessment. And we said, we actually think the podcast could become the main thing, the entire business. And to his credit, he reduced from 17 revenue streams down to three. And the podcast went from 30 million downloads to 500 million. And he lost money. He didn't lose money, but his revenue went way down for a couple of years and then it shot up to eight figures. So for you, victimhood or victim mentality is a really strong candidate for either the problem or the cause. So I'm not totally clear. What do you, of the two, because for me, um, the word powerless that it like, it kind of like, I loved it when I heard it, but then I have to sleep on it and be like, did I love it? Cause Rory said it, or did I love it? Because it came from me. And I knew that one of the things that I wanted to talk about was being empowered or being powerful. So I know it's a derivative. Did he give it and serve it up in such a way that I'm like, Hey teacher, you gave me the answer. Or is it like, do, do I, I actually this? I understand that, right? I understand that, but it didn't come from me. The teacher repeated something I said. I get, I get, I get. So what I kind of feel like- um, Those relationships could work because mm -hmm. if you said, what is the problem? The problem is powerlessness, let's say, Mm -hmm. okay? So it is somebody, you know, we can spend more time when we're together on this, but you go, what are they struggling with? The, The problem is something that they have, they are aware of. They know they're struggling with it. So, you know- you go, I feel like I don't have power. I feel like I don't have the ability to create my own life, right? And I could see how somebody would go, yeah, I feel powerless, right? So powerlessness is going, anyone who feels like they don't have control is part of your avatar. But what you then open their eyes to, which you don't do this in your marketing, you do this in your teaching. We market the problems and the payoff. Mm -hmm. We teach the uniqueness and the cause. Okay. Marketing is different than teaching, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but the, the real reason why do they feel powerless? They think it's because of all these other things, but the reality is the causes a victim mindset Mm -hmm. that they think they're powerlessness because something has happened to them, their circumstance or whatever. And what Jasmine spends her life doing is waking them up to the reality that the reason they feel powerless is because they have a victim mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And I immediately, because, you know, like everything goes to the marketer filter is I think to myself when there are the, the new organizations that will hire me on the bigger stages, I have to make sure that the problem appeals to a variety of demographics. And if I'm like, hey, in the future, if Delta invites me to speak to their like, uh, you know, top tier management, the problem would be that people think I don't have the ability to change my situation. And this is in regards to leadership. This is regards to entrepreneurship. This is in regards to partnerships. Like that thing is, I don't have the ability. And the reason, so if you, because you don't have the ability, you feel powerless. But the reason you're feeling powerless is because you're subscribing to this idea that it happened to you, that you were a victim of the own situation. And so then we get to cause problem. And then we get to, you call this uniqueness solution or is uniqueness another word for solution? Like I'm trying to just- yeah. Here, let me, uh, I'll share my screen yes, here just yeah, so you can sort screen. of see. Okay. That'd, that'd so the, good. That'd be good. so it's kind of messy here, but the way that it happens is at the very bottom, which is the foundation that everything is built on is the AP stands for avatar persona. That's the who. Yes, the who. So we still need to clarify mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. a level, we really start with, okay, what's the problem is, you know, potentially powerlessness. At least that's the direction we're heading right now. And then underneath that is the cause. Um, which is potentially victimhood or victim mindset is sort of our leading candidate right now. And then uniqueness is above. So here's, I'll go ahead and give you all of them. So it starts with avatar persona. Then there's the cause. Then there is the problem. Then there is the message, which is the one sentence command, the one sentence instruction that will change people's lives. Then there is the uniqueness, which is a one word distillation of that message. And all of that is what we kind of refer to as beneath the surface. It's internal moniker. It's not external marketing. But then the other remaining parts of the brand positioning statement are the payoffs and then your title. And those are the things that you market. You market what's above the surface. So we've been working on problem, uniqueness, and cause. We haven't touched too much on avatar persona. But the reason that this process works is All of these things have to triangulate back and forth on each other. They all have a relationship to one another. So here's, for example, we know that the problem is in some way the inverse, has an inverse relationship to the uniqueness. They have to be two different sides of the same coin. There's got to be some inverse Mm -hmm. relationship Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. shame and vulnerability, procrastination and discipline, and in this case, resilience and powerlessness. So the reason I'm okay to sort of put a pin in this conversation here and say, yeah, I think we're onto it, okay? It has to satisfy all of these criteria. Mm. Now, the next one is the relationship between the problem and the cause. So the problem and the cause have like a direct relationship. They're kind of the same thing but one is the result of the other. Whatever it is the problem, in this case, powerlessness, is has to be the thing that shows up as the result of someone ignoring the cause or not treating the cause or not satisfying the cause. And so the life they're experiencing is whatever is labeled in the problem, which mm-hmm. is powerlessness. So if I have a victim mindset, then my life would reflect as powerlessness. I would be feeling that. To me, that checks. That's a litmus test. The other thing is the uniqueness, okay? The uniqueness has to treat the cause. And if the uniqueness is the solution to the cause, the problem goes away as a byproduct. So in other words, if you go, you have a victim mindset, what you need to have is a resilience mindset. If you embrace resilience as your new, you know, modus operandi, your mode of operating, your mode of thinking, then your current mode, victimhood, would disappear and powerlessness would disappear with it. So the uniqueness is actually, you market the problem, but you treat the cause and the uniqueness treats the cause. So there's this relationship. And to me, that checks out. Now, what we haven't gotten into, which is kind of the most important one, is the message. The message is a one-sentence command statement where you have to basically take your entire life, all of your content, everything you know to be true, And you have to distill it down into a one-sentence message, which is a command. It's an instruction. It's an order. It has to be practical. It is a do this. You know, it's a do this or think this. It's but this is this is not a marketing message. 
This is beneath the surface. It's internal moniker. So this isn't a title. This is the truth. For example, Take the Stairs was the title of my first book, but the message is do things you don't want to do. And the whole idea is if you do things you don't want to do, you will develop discipline. And if you have discipline, you can accomplish anything. And Take the Stairs was the title because that was just the metaphor of it. Um, Going back to our first podcast interview together when I talked about how to multiply time in my TED Talk. So, you know, the whole book, Procrastinating on Purpose, Five Permission to Multiply Time, and the TED Talk, you could boil both of those down, you know, whether it's the whole book or an 18-minute talk into one sentence. How is it possible to multiply time? How is it literally possible to create more time? And we distill it to one sentence. Spend time on things today that give you more time tomorrow. That's how you multiply time, right? And that's the hardest work of all is to go, I have to take, lots of people can write a book, but explaining the book down into a one sentence, what do you want me to do? After reading this book, and in the context of you, I, I'm in book mode because I'm you've know, been working on Amy's book launch and Lewis's book launch. But for you, it's the same with speaking. You just stood on stage for an hour. Great. What is the one thing you want me to do? One thing, not a hundred, not twenty-five. One. What is the one thing I need to do to build resilience, which will help me overcome powerlessness by disallowing me to be a victim. If you can tell me that in one sentence, then we have your uniqueness. But we're out of time. That's um, a cliffhanger if I've ever heard one, brother. <laughs> that right there is like, come back for part two. Oh, Rory. Now, I, I mean, friends, this is what makes him magical. That it is not picking words. He has a framework to measure the efficacy of the uniqueness, problem, cause, they're all interrelated. They have to check a series of boxes. I am like so thankful that I have met you. I feel like it is a luxury to invest. I feel like it is a luxury to have this conversation. But what I feel is the most luxury is that I have been given a platform to share it with others, which is the very thing I've always wanted to do. Rory, for people who want to um, go deeper, for people who want to be like, what is Jasmine on? And I, I want to do a bit of that. Like, how do people connect with brand builders if they so choose? But y'all can be coming back for part two and three and get a front row seat to that as well, because I am going to share what I learned. Yeah. Totally. Well, uh, so the short answer to your question is if you go to freebrandcall.com slash Jasmine Star. So freebrandcall.com slash Jasmine Star, you can request a call with our team. Now, one thing I want to say is it's like, I really appreciate the compliment, like the things you said, they're so nice, but it's a process, right? Mm -hmm. It's not me. It's a process, right? And this is a process we've developed from lots of different mentors. And we've, we've now taken hundreds of people through it. And we just, we have been able to polish it into a, a set of criteria and, you know, structure to help sort of move someone through this. So it really is, it's a process, right? Um, To do it this fast is just, we've done it a lot. So uh, anyways, if you, uh, and the first call we do with everybody is actually free. So um, you can just go to freebrandcall.com slash Jasmine star. You can request a call. And then we'll also tell people too, if we don't think now is like the perfect time, but we will give you a little assessment that you take. And then we'll kind of tell you like, okay, I think we should talk or maybe, you know, check out these other resources or whatever, but we want to get to know you because it's human, right? I mean, we haven't figured out how to do this, this part, like in an automated fashion, like it's the same process for everybody, but the answer to somebody's uniqueness is completely different. It's completely Mm -hmm. unique. And again, you know, I think what this is, Jasmine is, This is, to me, to us, this is more than branding. It's more than an exercise in messaging. This is about accessing God's divine design of your humanity. The reason you were created, the reason you have experienced pain, every piece of pain that you have ever experienced is preparing you for the person that you are going to one day be for somebody else. And what you were just walking through, Jasmine, was we got to see this, a little taste of it in real life that was like, Jasmine, the victim, and all of that struggle has turned you into Jasmine, the superstar that you are now, going back and rescuing people, 
and shaking them free and going, look, I was where you were. I used to be you. I know what it's like, right? I know what it's like for an author to walk into a bookstore and go, how do I get my book on the, on the store in the airport? And how do I get that New York Times bestselling stamp on there? You know, I know what it's like to sit in an audience and go, how do you get to be the person on stage? Like, I, that is my person, right? That we know that person. And so for all of you, you are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. You've already done the hardest work, which was going through the hell that you had to go through to shape your character into the person that you were created to be. Mm-hmm. Now we just got to figure out how to access it and codify it and then market it. And then you just put a bunch of systems behind it. And then, you know, it just gets fun. Rory Vaden, you sell the dream, brother. You sell the dream. I'm, <laughs> and I'm out here buying. I'm out here buying. I want to oh. say thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for experimenting. Thank you for giving so much. This is in addition to the two days that we're going to be giving. So I, I kind of got like, I got a, but wait, there's more. Like I got the bonus, Rory. Uh, freebrandcall.com forward slash Jasmine Star. Rory, thank you. And you can all j- j- creep on Rory, Rory Vaden on social platforms. So check him out. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Jasmine Star Show. I really do look forward to coming back with part two and letting people know uh, more about the journey. And so if ever in the future, y'all have the opportunity to sit in an audience where I stand on a stage, you will be able to see the origins of the awkwardness that got me there. So Roy, thank you for the honor and privilege. You're the best. See you soon, friend. <laughs> <laughs>